progressive Christianity is like, well, you know, I believe God's word. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in that. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I will be with you. I will bless you. Man, that's always a positive, isn't it? As a believer, it's like God says, I will be with you. I remember that time that Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Christian Fellowship was turning the main Sunday night service over to me. And he says, you're going to teach Sunday night service from this point on. And I'm thinking to myself, you have the wrong guy. I just remember like, what? Here it is, this mega church, and I'm going to take over the Sunday night service. It's like, all I'm thinking is people are going to say, hey, whatever happened to that Sunday night service? Well, the last I seen it, Pastor Steve had it. Now it's sitting at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean next to the Titanic because he sank it. So I'm just thinking like, oh my goodness, how in the world am I going to do this? And I remember just thinking about it one night. It was the last night that Pastor Greg was teaching the Sunday night service, and I'm looking at him up there, and I'm thinking to myself, I can't do that. I was, like, I'm good. I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, Lord, I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, I, my, my knees started shaking. I'm like, no, Lord. And then all of a sudden, just this peace came over me because God said, but I'll be with you. And it was like a, a tsunami of peace. Like, I feel good. I mean, it was just all of this. Oh, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I remember as soon as he said, I'll be with you. I'm like, let's go. Let's do this. And God blessed that service. And we saw thousands of people come to know Christ as their Savior at that service. And just, you know, I taught it for like nine years. And what a blessing it was. And I have to say, actually, you know, teaching that service for nine years and, and just being in that whole place, because it's almost like a church within a church, it helped me to understand how to run a church. And it prepared me for here coming to Los Angeles and starting Core Church L.A. But anyway, getting back to our text here, in verse 4, God makes a promise here to Isaac that his descendants will be like the stars of the sky. He didn't say, your dad's descendants. He says, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky, meaning they will be innumerable. And because God had this huge vision, a vision that encompassed All people from all nations, all skin colors, all eye shapes. You know, he said, all the nations on planet Earth would be blessed because of him, Isaac, and his descendants. Is that crazy? It's crazy, but get this. It's true. And Core Church Los Angeles is part of that promise. And everyone at this church is part of of that promise. How? Well, Isaac's son Jacob would carry the bloodline down through the generations through Jacob's son Judah, down through Boaz and Obed and Jesse and David and Solomon, all the way down to the birth of Jesus Christ. Yes, the genealogy was all intact and complete all the way back to Adam and Eve through their son Seth through Noah, 
through Abraham, again, all the way through to the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, Savior. And through Jesus, all of us who are born again, born from above, all of us who are true Christians have been grafted into the family of God by faith in Christ. So we're grafted in all the way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amazing how God looks at this. God establishes all these from the promises that were continued through his promise through again Abraham and now Isaac that we're reading about. So verse 5 said, because Abraham obeyed the Lord. What does that mean? Well, it means what it says. He kept what God said to him. Abraham kept the commandments, his statutes, his laws, as he knew them at that point. I wonder if the same could be said about you and me. Do we obey God's commandments as we know them in his word that he's revealed to us, that he says he's written upon the fleshly tablets of our hearts? Do we keep his commandments? Do we do that? Do we obey the truth of his word? Can that be said about us as we live in this dark culture that we live in? Do we obey the law of God to the point of changing our current lifestyle? Because we realize, man, there's something in my lifestyle that's not jiving with what God has in his word. See, even if it's in opposition to our surrounding culture, are we willing to change? Because, uh, you know, our culture's like, oh, no, this is okay now. Well, who says it's okay? Well, we, we pass laws to say it's okay now. Well, yeah, but it, it conflicts with what God's Word says. So where are you going to stand? Are you going to go on culture side? Or are you going to go on God's Word side? Where are you going to stand there? See, if the answer is, I'm going to go on God's Word side, well, you're a true believer then, see? Then we can expect the same blessing then that God has given to all those throughout the history of humanity to those that obey him. Yet, if we only obey what's convenient, like progressive Christianity does now, oh, progressive Christianity is like, well, you know, I believe God's word. I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in that. Well, you know, I don't believe in this. And Well, you know, our culture's changed now, and, you know, that's no longer, you know, tolerant now. It's like, uh, excuse me? No. God's word never changes. What was sin 2,500 years ago? Guess what? It's still sin today. Nothing changes there. And so where are you going to be on that? See, are you going to be on God's side? Are you going to go on culture side? Because if you go on culture side, then obviously you're not going to see the blessing hand of God unfold in your life. This is why we must deny ourselves. That's what the Bible says, right? It says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he has to deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. Because if you wish to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, well, then you'll find it. What does a man or woman profit if they were to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their own soul? Yes, we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny what we think is right. Who cares what we think is right? What God says, that's what's right. Who cares what our desires are? It's what God desires. For that which God desires in us is to do what? 
It's to have his word not be compromised in the world that we live in. Yes, we need to rise up to this high calling that God has given to us in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's when we can find our true purpose that he's established for us. That, get this, is why we were created in the first place. It's to be used of God. To be used of God. It's amazing to me, everywhere I go, I still invite people to come to the church. Well, we're in lockdown, this, that, and whatever. I still invite them. Hey, come outside. Your outdoor services, come out, you know, just be part of what God's doing. Listen to us on the radio. Download our app. I mean, it's just like, I want people to know that they can have this relationship with God. That's what he desires in all of our lives. Which brings up our second point, a mistake remade. Let's continue to read here in verse 6. Now, this is a big portion of Scripture we're going to read here, so hang on. But you know what? We must read the Word of God. So picking up in Genesis 26, verse 6, it says, So Isaac lived in Gerar, uh, and when uh, the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, uh, She is my sister. Ooh, didn't his dad do that before? She is my sister, for he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of the place might kill him on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. It came about when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebecca. Ooh, la, la. Verse 9, Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is, she, she is your wife. How then did you say, She is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Because I said, I might die in account of her. You know, and that's why I did that. Abimelech said, Well, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He who touches this man, Isaac's wife, shall surely be put to death. Now Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Wow, God's blessing this guy big time. And the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, and the man became rich. Isaac became rich, and he continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and and his great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells of his father, that's Abraham's father's servants that had dug in the days of Abraham, he says the Philistines, they stopped them up by filling them up with earth. Now I don't know why they did that, but nonetheless they did. Verse 16, then Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed. And the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham for the Philistines stopped him up uh, after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. Verse 19, but when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found a well flowing with water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, well, the water is ours, it's mine. And so he named the well, you know, Esek, you know, because they contended with him. And then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one too. So he named it, you know, Sitna. Uh, then he moved away from there, and he dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. 
And for he said, as the last, at last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. Wow, you're already fruitful. You went from having a little to having a lot to being completely wealthy. Wow. Well, anyway, that's a lot of text to read. It's a mouthful. But first, let's break it down here. We have Isaac. He's moving to the Philistines, right next to the Philistines here, uh, who were inhabiting the land of Canaan that God has already given to Isaac. And since his wife, Rebekah, was drop-dead gorgeous, beautiful, his heart was filled with fear because he's thinking, man, someone's going to look at my beautiful, knock-down, gorgeous fox wife, and they're going to knock me off and take her. So he goes to protect himself. Okay, But where does that leave your wife? It left your wife open, and it left her vulnerable. You know, all of us men here, you listening here online, it's like, God has called us to be the heart protector of our wives. He's called us to protect them, to watch over them. You know, and it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, we can get in an argument with our wife. Maybe we're talking with some guys at work. Maybe you're talking to your parents or whatever, and you kind of throw your wife under the bus. Yeah, she's a nut. You know, I can't believe she said this, and my wife did this, and my wife did that. And and then all of a sudden, you know, couple days go by, you guys make up and everything, but you spewed all of that trash. Think about all the trash you spewed. So now the next time someone sees your wife, it's like, oh, she's a nut. She did this. She did that. Or, you know, you're, you're telling your parents or, you know, this goes for you wives too, you know, because you can get on the phone with your mom. Oh, mom, he's such a hairy beast. He did this. He did that. I just, I hate him. It's like this. And then you forgive him and you guys move on, but you had already throwing your husband under the bus. Then the next time you're at the Thanksgiving dinner, like we just had, you know, or the next time you're at Christmas, you're looking, oh, there's a hairy beast. He threw my little baby under the bus. You know, it's like, oh, and you're like, ah, oh, we need to be the heart protectors of our husbands and our wives. We need to watch over. I remember one time my dad called me and, you know, he just you know, he said something derogatory about my wife. I just said, look, I'm just telling you right now, if you ever say anything about my wife again, don't you ever call me again. You know, it's like, look, we need to be each other's heart protectors here. That's what needs to happen. And by Isaac protecting his own self like his dad Abraham did with his mom, Sarah, it left his wife vulnerable. Then in verse 8, the king looks out his window. Now, obviously, somehow Isaac was allowed to camp right next door to the king's house. And so the king sees, as he says in the King James Bible, Isaac showing endearment. But the New American Standard has a better translation of that Hebrew word. He was caressing his wife. Ooh, la la, hey, baby, how's it going? You know, like, it's time for uh, to be a little closer. <laughs> okay, so anyway, the Hebrew word there means to laugh and to fondle. He's fondling his wife. He's being intimate with his wife. It's okay. They're married. They can do that. It's all right. That's what he's doing. But, hey, they're getting intimate. And the king said, whoa. Whoa, obviously that's not your sister, okay? And he rebukes Isaac, just again like Pharaoh did with Abraham. Abraham was rebuked not once, but twice for the same lie. Yes, the king was saying, one of us could have laid with your wife. 
Man, some man could have came in because your wife is drop-dead gorgeous. You would have brought guilt upon us here. But, you know, then again, you know, God put the fear of harming Isaac into the king's heart here. So he told all the people, anyone touches this man's wife, man, you're going to get totally hosed by me personally. And you'll be put to death. So then God pours out his blessing on Isaac even more because, again, Isaac had a heart that wanted to please God inside. See, that's who God blesses. It's not like what the faith people teach. It's like, yes, just name it and claim it. In the name of Jesus, you know, we claim this. It's like, no, how about living a life that's an obedient to God, walking with him in an uncompromised fashion? How about that for living a life and being blessed? Because that's what God blesses. And that's why it says in verse 13, it says, Isaac became now a wealthy man. He became a wealthy man. God had poured it out on him so much so that it's like you could not even count it anymore. Yes, the king realized that Isaac was a godly man. So that's why he stood for him and he did what he did. So, so much so that he was now envied to the point that they had to send him away. He was now becoming a distraction to all the people in that kingdom because he was so wealthy. People were jealous of Isaac. And now they dug a well in verse 22, and he called it Rehoboth, which means that God had made room for them. And it's like God will always make room for us when we are following him. He will always do that. But what can we learn through all of this? Well, I'm sure an awful lot, to say the least. Uh, For we see that Isaac made mistakes, right? Because he's human. We all make mistakes. It's like every one of us make mistakes. Isaac wasn't perfect, just like we are not perfect either. Yet in the midst of all of his imperfections, the obvious thrust of Isaac's life was to please the Lord. He obeyed God's commandments. He obeyed God's statutes, and that led to God's hand of total blessing. I have seen this happen in my own life, you know, because I am far from perfect, as anyone that knows me at all knows I am not perfect. And trust me, if you listen to me much on the radio or you watch here, you come to the church, you know, I throw myself under the bus more than anybody. But I have always tried to put the Lord first in my life. And when I've sinned, I've always tried to be quick about repenting of my sin. Yes, I am saved by the grace and the mercy of God. But I also desire to live my life in a way that people can look into my eyes and no longer see me, but see Jesus living inside of me. And I have seen the hand of God's blessing unfold on me and my wife. I don't deserve anything, yet God has been so kind to my wife and I. I mean, we started with nothing. We had a green beanbag chair. You know, we watched a black and white little used TV. We ate on the floor on a cardboard box turned upside down. But yet God has been so gracious to us. I wonder what God desires to unfold in your life. What does God desire 
to unfold in your life. I wonder what blessings he has in store for each one of you. But I also wonder this. What blessings will never, ever happen in your life because you are not willing to live in accordance with God's commandments and his statutes? See, this is where the progressive Christianity, I'm only, well, I only believe this part in, well, I don't believe that part in. No, you can't do that. This isn't like picking out options for your car. Do you want power windows? Do you want cruise control? Do you want air conditioning? Of course, it's like 100 degrees here in the summertime. Okay, listen, this is not like picking out options. You take the whole thing or nothing. It's all or nothing. That's what real Christianity is. You take the whole thing or nothing. What's it going to be for you? What blessings will never happen in your life because you are only believing a portion of God's word and not all of God's word? Or you are only living part of God's word and not all of it? You're only living according to the commandments and statutes that you agree with, but the ones that you don't agree with, oh, yeah, well, I don't agree with that. Yeah, well, I'm living uh, with my boyfriend or girlfriend or, uh, you know, this lifestyle, that lifestyle, or, you know, I like to, you know, party a little bit. I like to do, you know, it's like, listen. That's holding you back. You're not going to be able to be who God wants you to be. You're not going to be able to embrace what he wants you to embrace because you are only living part of it, not all of it. It's something to think about for sure because if you decide to change, today could be a new day for you. Today could be a brand new day. Where all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you know what? You're right. I've got to give up this lifestyle. I mean, it's like I've been convicted about the Holy Spirit. just been writing me on this. It's like, well, then give it up. Give it up. Today. Today. On this day. Let it be a new day. Maybe it could be a new day and a whole new change for you. Which brings up our third and final point, a grieving heart. Let's read our text here as we pick up in Genesis 26. Picking up in verse 23, it says, Then he went up, this is Isaac, of course, went up there to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you, and I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there, and he called upon the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar and his advisor, uh, Ahuza and Philicol, or whatever his name is there, the commander of the army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you guys hate me and you have sent me away, you know, from you? And they said, well, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. Wasn't that nice when all the heathens can see that and they just admit it like, dude, you're obviously blessed of the Lord. Verse 30, then he made them a feast, and they ate and they drank, and in the morning they arose early, and they exchanged oaths. Then Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. Now it came about in the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug, and they said to him, we have found water. 
So he called it Sheba. Uh, therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. Now, verse 34, he kind of makes a complete, you know, like just changing gears here. He says, and when Esau, their eldest son, was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, and Basmath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 